You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. This episode is the one-year anniversary of Screening in Kingston that Taylor just informed me about before we started recording. Cue a applause. Yes, cue, hopefully. I won't remember. Um, so I'll <laughs> but, make it. Uh, yeah, I completely forgot. We we started, tech, I mean, it would have been September 18th um, of, of last year was our You're first episode. You're not recording over our nope. other stuff, are you? No, I'm not. Okay. No, it's just pushing it. Okay, Don't worry about it. All right. <laughs> it's okay. You can tell that I am not the technical person on this show. Just a lot of movie opinions. But anyways, that's, that's what you're here for, movie yeah. opinions. Um, so I was driving from work in mm-hmm. Napanee, so I have a lot of time to think in the car. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hey, I think we're at one year of screening in Kingston. And we are. This, this is one year. Happy anniversary. Can you believe it? No. <laughs> I completely surprised you said a year and and I thought that's not right. And then, yes, it's September again. How many episodes have we had? I I stopped counting. Because I feel like at our hundredth episode, we should do something. We haven't done a hundred. Not right? even close. No, I because don't know. we've only—it's but like, like one a week, and then there would be a couple weeks where we didn't have any because of various things or holidays, and then we also did a couple extra podcasty things. My guess is fifty-five. Then you know what? I follow the podcast on my phone, so I probably could tell you. Because I think at one hundred, we should do. I don't know. Oh, maybe no, a retro. Maybe a retrospective. I don't know. We'll, There's not a hundred here. Right. I would think I would my guess is 55. Um <laughs> a, that is my cuz there's 50 guess. there's 52 weeks in a year. Sure. We've done an episode almost every week. There was a couple where we didn't and but we've also had specials. Yeah, so that's so why even that's why out. I would say yeah. 55. Um so maybe write in fans with what you would want us to do for the 100. Yeah, we'll we'll work up to the 100th episode and if It'll you have any ideas. <laughs> Please do not say vampire. We know we're doing a vampire episode in October. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Nobody worry about it. Um, we do have some special things going on for this episode, though. We are going to be joined in a few minutes um, by our official TIFF correspondent, Nicole, who also happens to be Taylor's best friend. Yeah, bias alert. Yeah, so, <laughs> so so that that's what you're going. That's but what you're in store for. She really does know her stuff. Yes, and oh, you'll absolutely. and you'll hear on the show. She is not just you know. Yeah, it wasn't a an oligarchical thing. And she's going to break down uh, the movies she saw at TIFF. Going to go through her kind of top five favorites. Tell us some things that maybe you should skip if you're looking at potential TIFF films for later. Um, and just tell us what uh, what TIFF is. Give us a little breakdown on it. So that's yeah, coming if you're up. not familiar. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's coming up in a few minutes. And then after that, we do have a, a movie to review. Taylor went out and saw a documentary. Um, the documentary I keep forgetting the name of. Which is funny because it's called David Crosby, Remember My Name. And David Crosby, right. You okay. can't even remember his I'm name. I'm not a music person. <laughs> You know, but but it, I mean, again, documentaries, especially the screening room, we've we've been on quite the ride with documentaries, and for the most part, it's been extremely positive. Like they they bring in some great documentaries. I am the type of person who loves to new learn new things. Mm-hmm. Like I think most mm-hmm. people. Um, so even if it's a topic that I'm not 100 mm-hmm. percent familiar with, if it's well crafted, mm-hmm. I say go see it because yeah. you're gonna learn something new. Right. Um, it, you might find you learn something new, right? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so you'll hear my thoughts about David Crosby, Perfect. Um, who is, like you mentioned, um, a musician. Mm-hmm. So it's been a big year for music-related stuff, and now we have a music documentary to talk about. Perfect. Um, but to start things off, we're going to do some TIFF talk. Um, do you want to do, do the honors? Well, she is, is my best this friend. This is your friend, so let's, you know, <laughs> Not only I'll, my I'll, friend. I'm going to sit back. I'll, I'll let you take this. Not only my friend, my best friend. There you go, your We've best We've known friend. each other since the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. It's Nicole. Sixth grade. Sixth grade. Oh, wow, it's already there, all right. <laughs> um, see, we've known each other so long we can yell at each other. This is Nicole Stavikowski coming live uh, to us from Toronto. Hello, everybody. Hi, Screening in Kingston. Hello, Thank welcome to the show. Me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, maybe start off by just telling us a little bit about you. Uh, Who are you? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, my name is Nicole. I live in Toronto. I uh, am an actor here. 
Um, and that is, and I'm a movie lover, I guess, as you tend to become if you work in the industry. So, yeah, that's just me. Did you uh, did you study acting or, or theater or film acting somewhere? No, I went to U of T for mm-hmm. English Lit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of did stuff on the side mm-hmm. here and there. And then after I graduated, I decided to pursue it full time. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. But you were always dabbling. Yeah, always, always, always had my foot in there, but um, kind of took the leap post grad. Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of people don't uh, take those types of leaps. So it's kind of, that's kind of cool to see. Yeah, we'll see if it works out. I mean, it's been okay, but. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, uh, Taylor just reminded me that normally we, we have a couple questions that we always ask guests, but we, you know, I was struggling to remember what they were. So someone, one of our intrepid listeners can go back to like the first episode because you asked me it on the first episode. And they will. Our listeners, listeners do like to correct us. Yes. So <laughs> it was like, what's your favorite movie? Okay. So Nicole, what's your favorite movie? Um, well, I have two favorite movies. One of them is Take This Waltz, which is a Sarah Pauly mm-hmm. uh, film. And then the other one is Things to Come, which is uh, Mia Hansen Love, starring Isabel Huppert. Oh, I don't think I've seen that one. Nicole's uh. favorite actress. Is that correct in saying that? 100%. Isabel, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Isabel Huppert. Oh. I do think the second question was, was there ever a movie that you walked out of? Yeah. yeah that sounds familiar, um, that question. It was actually at TIFF. It was an opening night movie, and it was called The Valley, and I don't remember where it was from. Oh, my God. It wasn't... Is that the one with James Dean, the porn star? No, it wasn't in English. Like, it was... Oh, okay. Never mind. It was one of the foreign <laughs> films, but I... Yeah, I, it was just, like, two and a half hours. Nobody said anything. It was a lot of desert shots, so I was like, never mind. <laughs> Not worth your time. Was that this year? No, I think it was, like, three or four years ago this is a good time to ask mm. uh nicole what year how many times have you been to tiff this was my 11th tiff wow. so i my first was in 2008 wow 11 times wow so i guess yeah, yeah i mean that kind of brings us to to why we're we're having you call in from toronto yeah. and uh, it's because you're our official tiff correspondent um, I guess with 11 years, that makes you pretty qualified. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, yeah, that's like more than most film critics absolutely, have under absolutely. their belts. Um, so f- for those who are listening or who download our podcast from maybe somewhere else and they're not familiar, can you just do a quick rundown? What is TIFF? Yeah, so TIFF stands for the Toronto International Film Festival. Um, there is also a TIFF in Toronto that runs kind of alongside Toronto International Film Festival, which is Toronto Independent Film Festival, Mm. but this is international. Um, It's one of the biggest film festivals uh, in the world, Um, and it's kind of a people's festival, which means that there's a ton of public screenings that everybody can go to, Um, and what they do is they bring a variety of feature-length films, short films. Um, Recently, they started doing a primetime program, which means they'll bring... uh, few episodes of television shows that are coming out i believe they do about six of them um but they have many like documentaries um they have a bunch of different programs within the 11 day festival um special presentations galas discovery contemporary world cinema midnight madness wavelengths primetime platforms tiff documentaries a lot to choose from wow how many movies did you see this year this year I saw 25. 25. And how yeah. many, so 25 movies in 11 days. Yeah. Um, Nicole's hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how many, how many total would have been at the festival though? Um, I think it was, it was like a couple hundred feature length films. Um, That's a big deal. I don't, I don't know exactly how many, but. It was, a, it was an, I think it was a couple hundred. There is a number somewhere that Tiff posted on Instagram, and I was like, oh, that's interesting to know. What is the maximum number you think is feasibly possible to actually see as one individual? Like, is 25 the most you've seen, or have you seen more in the 11 years you've gone to Tiff? 
I think one, I think either last year or the year before it was 26. Okay. It would have been 26 this year um, if it wasn't for like this thing that happened on the last day. But um, it would have been 26. But I think my record is either 26 or 27. But, and that's like you're seeing multiple movies a day. So yeah. if, if you were to take no breaks, could you yeah. see more? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you would want to see more. Like, there's, <laughs> yeah. it's always such a, like a, kind of like a crapshoot going through each film because most of these films are, are world premieres, which means that there's really no trailers. Um, you just basically rely on the description that's provided for you um, with each film on TIFF.net. So uh, it, it can be tough just based on that description because obviously the descriptions also have to talk up the film yeah. so it might not they be want you something. to see it yeah they, they really do and so it might not be something that uh, you like in the end which does happen when you see 25 or 30 movies and you don't see the big ones um which i don't like to see the big ones just because it's it's not it's not super cheap to go to tiff um so if you if you go, what you should be doing, in my opinion, because it's a once a year thing, you should be seeing things that maybe you wouldn't see otherwise. Um, and really kind of not to say that the, the big gala films aren't good, but, you know, most of them are coming out in within the end of the year. So it's you'll see them anyways. Yeah. Like yeah. the Joker. Like you don't need to go to TIFF to see the Joker because you're going to no. see that at a regular Cineplex. And these types no. of film festivals, like, I mean, they are an opportunity for films that are going for big awards to start screening and build buzz. But yeah, I, I kind of get what you're saying, Nicole, is like as, as a someone who just consumes movies, you would mm-hmm. rather spend your time seeing things that you're not going to get a chance to see elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And there's... There's quite a there's quite a few recently. I think it was one or two years ago. Tip started to premiere um, Netflix films, which people actually got a little bit upset about. Um, yeah, we talked about that a lot in our. Uh, well, Nicole is a, also a fan of the show. She also listens because she's a very good best friend. Um, <laughs> so really Nicole, good. like, hi, so <laughs> Nicole, you would know that we've this has been at the Venice Film Festival and at. Cans or canes, you know how to pronounce that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cons. Cons. I, guess, I don't know. Um, yeah. They, they too are screening Netflix originals, and all of the old guard are saying, "How dare you take Netflix yeah. out of the film?" Even though no. you know there are good movies that are being air being produced by streaming platforms. Well, so uh, Nicole- one of them I saw. Like honestly, there's so many good ones that I that I saw that might come out on Netflix and I really hope they do because then nobody else is going to see them otherwise. And so is that how you like feel about this whole Netflix versus mainstream film thing? Like, do you feel like they do have a place uh, at TIFF and other types of festivals? Absolutely. I think they have a place there, whether or not I actually go and see them there is a totally different thing mm-hmm. again, because I do like to see ones that I might not see again. Um, but no, it's a, you know, I don't think that, the platform that you release your film on, whether it be theater or a streaming service, I don't think it should affect the, you know, whether or not your film is legitimate. And that's, that's what it sounds like, you know, people are questioning the legitimacy of movies made for streaming platforms when it's just, it's a movie's a movie. Like it's, it shouldn't matter. And when you say it and describe it that way, it does make it seem so ridiculous. Like it's yeah. just like you're saying, it's literally just the way the movie is distributed that's being questioned. Yeah, <laughs> nothing else, and yeah. it's such a weird thing to. Yeah, to it still costs money to make. Yeah, it absolutely. Has a huge team behind it. Like it a lot shouldn't. Of people are employed. Really, absolutely. And I'm still complain. paying. I'm still paying. It's not like still going. Yeah. It's not like it's yeah. free content. And right? Netflix is paying the artists and paying the people mm-hmm. for the films they're still getting money yeah. i mean the money is still passing you know yeah. it's so, an industry yeah. yeah so why don't yeah. we why don't we get into um this year mm-hmm. what you saw so can you give us i mean i i know you saw 25 so obviously mm-hmm. we probably don't have time to go through each of them but no um, i can list them all yeah why don't, and then, why don't yeah. you list off what you saw and then okay. if you could give me like let's start here let's give me your top Five. What oh are the gosh, five okay. movies that you would say, these are my top five, Go these see. are my favorite, Go see these, and let's talk about your feelings of, of each of those five, and we'll see where that takes us. Okay, you want me to 
Do the five first or just list them off? First? Why don't you do the five first and then we'll okay. go through and list off kind of near the end, like everything else that you saw. Sure. So my number one out of these 25 was a film called The Audition, uh, directed by uh, Ina Weisse, who is a German actress as well. And it's it's set in Berlin. Um, it came out of technically Germany and France, and it's about... A violin teacher named Anna and she teaches at a high school for musicians and she has a husband and a son and she takes on a new student and it it focuses on her commitment to developing the students um, and it was amazing I am obsessed with it like it, it was it was the music was gorgeous. Nicole described this movie to me over tax. She A recommended yeah. it to me and B said, It's like the piano teacher with no sex and a family. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> there's still sex, but it's not I mean it's not it's definitely not between her and the student. I'm just gonna like throw that out there now. Right. It's, there's no sexual relationship between her and the student. Gotcha. Um but that was my favorite, and I ran into a couple from Maine who were in town, and I was like, we were exchanging our favorites, and they were like, what's your favorite? And I said, my favorite's The Audition, and they said, that one was so violent, we did not like it. And I did not find it violent at all, which is... Well, they're from, Nicole, they're from Maine. I know, but... <laughs> well, what sort of violence could they be talking about? Like, were there, were there violent moments, and it just wasn't that violent? There was, like, the end is a little, um, I don't want to say, it's sinister, the end, um, and I know you guys don't like spoilers, but basically she, she has a young son who's around the same age as her new student, and, um, that's all I will say, but there is one scene where she puts a sandbag on her student's shoulder, because she wants his shoulder to be more relaxed, and she, like, takes off his belt and she belts the sandbag to his shoulder and they were pointing out that that was really violent and oh, terrible grow up people oh, from that's, maine that's not that bad at all we've, we've reviewed far worse oh, for yeah. Sure, for yeah. Sure. yeah 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 so that was my favorite number one okay that's, sure. that, that's number one the audition okay the audition um another one that i loved um i just have like my list here that i'm going through Okay, I loved, I saw a horror movie at Midnight Madness, which is movies that, there's a program called Midnight Madness at TIFF, mm-hmm. and they screen one per night, and it starts at midnight, and they're all horror movies. Oh, okay. Um, it is my favorite program. The audience is exciting and wild, and there's a lot of cheering and jeering. It's amazing. Different and, energy, um, right? It's a different energy than... Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. Um, so I saw one called Saint Maud, which was a uh, director, her name is Rose Glass, and it's her first feature-length film, mm. and it was terrifying. I, uh, it was very psychological, um, it's, it's about this woman who's, her name's Maud, and she's a young nurse, she's really, really religious, and she's uh, tasked with taking care of a retired dancer who is being kind of ravaged by cancer and it's like her obsession is to save this woman and it it's beautiful like stylistically gorgeous and the last 15 minutes really messed me up like I got home at 2 30 had to sleep with the lights on and I wow. don't don't do that like I watch Taylor knows we oh, yeah. we do watch a lot of horror movies mm-hmm. and this one just really like I screamed and wow. I had to cover my eyes oh, and is uh, this was this an international film too this one she's from the UK I think um mm-hmm. but it wasn't English so it's not subtitled or anything so it sorry um, it was it was English it was English oh, okay yeah. got it got it yeah okay mm-hmm. so that that was amazing um next one that I really liked was a movie called White Lie um, it's Canadian uh, directed by Calvin Thomas and Yana Lewis and it centers on a student whose name is Katie and she fakes a cancer diagnosis mm. and she has like social media campaigns to raise funds for her 
cancer treatment. I wonder if it's based on a true story because this made the news. I've, I've also I've heard some buzz around this movie actually. Oh, okay. like a not I mean, yeah, like a little bit. So I kind of mm. am familiar with this, and mainly because of that connection through social media, which is again mm. it's a topical thing, right? So mm-hmm. kind of makes sense that it's out there. Is it yeah. a is it a drama or a comedy? It's a drama. It is. I could see dramatic. it being. I could see it being a comedy. What, did you find it very heavy? Um, I don't know if I heavy. I don't know if that's the the word that I would. I would. I found it very tense. Mm. Um, and it the the score was really a prominent part of making that kind like building that tension. I, I really loved the score and. The whole tone just felt very... I don't remember what the filmmaker said their inspiration was, but they did talk about one movie that they wanted it to feel like. I don't remember exactly what it was, but... um, Yeah, and it's so interesting because they had written this character in such a way that you almost feel sorry for her, and you, like, sometimes find yourself sympathizing with her, but she's, you know, such a, you know, an anti-hero, I guess, is what you would call that. You have to be a pretty bad person to fake having cancer and then raise money. Yeah, and then raise money, yeah. This was actually, because when I heard about this movie, I'm really hoping we get it here in Kingston. Like, I hope the screen room gets it. I bet you will. I think you will. Yeah, this is the type of movie that I think is really interesting to review, to see what they did Mm character-wise. Exactly what you're saying, Taylor. Like, it, it takes a pretty monster human to do this but if the director's trying to make you feel sympathy like does it work yeah i like that kind of stuff i like i love that for sure is this Mm. one where um so nicole also goes a lot to the panels where Mm -hmm. the directors and the actors are sometimes present did was this a panel discussion that you went to for this one so in general um there really aren't at tiff there really aren't panels per se but there's after each screening, um, specifically for premieres and maybe even subsequent screenings, because like most films get two to three screenings, mm. um, the director and kind of casting creative will be there after the movie and answer questions oh, within like so a twenty cool. minute period. So that for most of the movies that I've been talking about, they were like the directors were present and okay. some of the actors were present. So there's they offer you know they can talk about anything that you want Mm, yeah mm. yeah it's really and that's one of the great things about going to tiff um because you you most most screenings do have that okay that's very cool yeah okay so what so that gives us kind of your three so far so give us Mm. two more that you think that you were sort of really interested Mm. in yeah i'm just looking to see okay so disco was this fantastic movie from Norway. Um, the director's name, her name is, I'm going to mess it up, but it's Jeroen Mikkelboost Syverson, I think. That sounds, you know, that sounds Nor- Norwegian. I, I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. We'll allow um, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and it follows um, this character named Miriam, and she's a competitive dancer. Um, a very specific kind of dance. I think it's called disco the director said but it's like a very kind of sexual there's a lot of sequence and a lot of really loud like club kind of music um, and she's her um her uncle and her mother and her father or stepfather rather are all kind of really really religious mm. and members of um sort of like evangelical christian i don't want to say cults but that's what it feels like okay so her her uh, mother and stepfather have a church called freedom and it's like a very millennial kind of church like it looks like a you go in in the movie they go into like this dark room and it's like a concert almost and there's lots of like it's like hillsong that's a religious movement out of australia so is this a modern movie it is, yeah. Oh, it, but she's dancing like, disco. I, I thought it, the way yeah. you were describing it, I thought, okay, this is probably set like you know in the seventies, and it's like, like okay, modern. modern oh, wow, yeah. but she's dancing so, disco. She's dancing this kind, like specific kind of disco, but not like ABBA disco. Um, but she starts. <laughs> so she she was like number one in all these competitions, and then she starts kind of not doing so well, and. So she asks kind of her peers for some guidance and they kind of blame it on her lack of faith. So she goes through this crisis sort of, and she's, she's trying to find different ways to reconnect with her faith, but is 
just doesn't seem to be finding it and it's it's really dark but also really just aesthetically gorgeous just to even watch the movie is pleasing aesthetically pleasing and um the ending is again there's a lot of brutality in, in all these movies i'm talking about mm. but i it's it's it was an excellent movie it was excellent and it kind of to i guess examines how young people can be so impressionable mm-hmm. and you know influenced by things that they don't even realize they're being influenced by yeah definitely so yeah it was beautiful i don't know like i hope really it comes one. out somewhere yeah. is that also that was a drama that was a drama yeah okay so I did see some comedy, I think. <laughs> no, I just want to get a feeling, like, because that could have also been, like, a horror movie, right? Yeah, the, definitely. The religious oh, element. Definitely. So that's, I just want to get a clear, you know, genre yeah. handle. Um, yeah. So we need one more. Okay. So um, I think my last one, which I think that everybody will be able to see because it looks like it was an, it's an Amazon studio Okay. Movie. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's called... Blow the Man Down, mm. and it is directed by Bridget Savage Cole and Danielle Crudy, and it was it premiered at Tribeca. Um, uh, it's their first feature film, and it takes place in a place called Easter Cove, which is kind of a small fishing town off Maine. Uh, it's about two sisters who try to cover up a murder, and there is a brothel, and that is kind of all I will say about that. Because mm. it's like and a mystery. It's kind of like a mystery. It really? it presents like um like a gothic fairy tale or nightmare. Okay. Because it, wow. the way it opens, it opens with all these fishermen singing. There's a folk song called "Blow the Man Down," and it's like this kind of like musical opening, and it's setting the tone. And then we end with the same guy who sings the same song. Cool. So it's kind of like a fairy. It felt like a fairy tale. Amazon has a thing with the Eastern Seaboard yeah. because. Uh, Manchester by the Sea, yeah. also taking place in yeah. like New England, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think in New England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so oh, uh, that sounds, that sounds really has good. A thing. That no, yeah, that one sounds that good. Sounds and really I'm, good. If we don't see it in theaters, it will go to Amazon. Yeah, which is I great. Hope I hope mean, so. Yeah. Again, yeah. that's that's the thing. Like we're talking about that people who don't get a chance to see all these films get to because of streaming services. Like they get, yeah. you know, makes it more accessible. Yeah. I really stand by the fact that streaming has democratized media. Even though you still need to pay mm. a fee. But it's um, a small fee. But it's a small it's fee. It's cheaper than going in the movies. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, me, Nicole, we go to the movies once a week, if not more. Yeah. It adds up, it right? Does. Absolutely. So for mm-hmm. the average person being able to stay home mm-hmm. and, you know, go on Crave, Amazon, whatever, they're saving that money. But, you know, by paying their subscription fee and the mm-hmm. ads, they are contributing to the arts community. Yeah, and I support it. I completely agree with that, and it's just that's that's a privilege that the three of us have, as we have the ability to go see multiple movies, mm-hmm. and that's something that we, you know, I think all really enjoy that we get that opportunity. Mm-hmm. But for some people, families, that type of thing, they save up to go see one or two movies a year. Yeah, like that's very mm-hmm. that's a very common story, especially in the states. So by doing this, just like you're saying. All these people get to see these movies now and get to see, yeah. you know, and it's, great. it's just more people to see it, which is just better for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so before we have you go through kind of just quickly the list of the other movies you saw, was there any one particular movie that you just came out of and you didn't skip like? Skip it. Skip You're this movie. You're giving it a skip you, it. Yeah, you don't, you didn't enjoy it. Yeah, there was, there was, yeah. Out of 26, <laughs> I'm assuming there's more than one. Well, who knows? Maybe you got a good batch. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had a good batch, but there was there were like two in particular that I was. Okay. There was one really that really made me mad. I don't know why. It was it was called I was at home, but and I was at home, but I was at home, comma but dot 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 was is literally the okay. title already of it. stupid. <laughs> I know, but the because the, you're relying on that little description, yeah. and the description was like it revolves around a disappearance of a 13 year old boy, and I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds. Amazing. But then I get there, it's like 105 minutes of either complete silence or rambling on. And like in my mind, this this rambling is when you have somebody that's rambling, like a big monologue about acting. I feel like this is the literally just the director having an excuse to kind of push their own views on things. Their agenda. 
nothing to do with anything that's going on because nothing happens. And then like intercut were these young school kids doing Hamlet and I hate Shakespeare. So I was just like, I want to leave now. And the guy this? sitting next to me smelled like fried food and his laugh was like, uh, uh. so I just, it was just terrible. A bad, a bad experience from start yeah. to end. All around, all around terrible experience. And the director was there and she talked about it and I was like, you seem like a very nice human, but like, I don't know if I'm not smart enough for your work or what, but I don't want to see anything of yours ever again. Mm. We talk about this too on the show about film needs to be accessible. So yeah. oftentimes I don't think it's that the the audience is too dumb. I just feel like it's kind of what you're saying, Nicole, that the director had sort of an agenda or mm. their you know their own thing, and it became sort of a passion project. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, you're not you're not um, David Lynch. Like you're not you're no. not successful successful enough to have a passion yeah. project at right. at an international film <laughs> festival. <laughs> Yeah, but the the it was part of the master's program, which is I I should have known. I it's like ugh, this particular program is not for people like me. It, it just doesn't like feel teaching, accessible. It's like a teaching opportunity. Is that when I think masters, I think like a master's acting class, like where you know they're gonna showcase a film, and then there's a chance for a- academic discussion about it, and it's a teaching moment. Is that what this program is, or is it? Um, you know, I I don't really know. Like, sometimes people will have, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is that if I've if I've ever seen anything out of Masters or Wavelengths, which you is another like program, it. it's mm. just not my jam. Mm. I mean, bad respect to people who dig it. That's sure. totally cool, but it's just not for me. Is Wavelength the experimental film? Yeah, and this director had another feature film before at TIFF and it was in wavelengths and I should have just read it more carefully and I would have known that I should have just skipped it. Is it named after the Canadian film Wavelength? No, no. Like the I don't think so. like the the program cuz I'm pretty yeah. sure there's an experimental Canadian film called Wavelength. Oh, I think that totally be right. I think I that's know. what it's called and it's it's like um I can't remember if it's a feature. I had to watch it in mm. film class. It's literally like a room. A room yeah. and the camera slowly zooms in on... Or, like, zooms, zooms out. out. Yeah, I watched this yeah, movie, too. Yeah, it's called Wavelength, Wavelength right? Yes, yes, that's what and it's And it's called. Canadian, so yeah. I'm a... The program must be named, and so we can assume all the movies in Wavelength at yeah. TIFF will I, also be garbage. Film 100 at Queens, I had yeah. to watch that. Yeah, yeah. So, in on the TIFF website, it says, uh, Wavelength films are daring, visionary, and autonomous voices. Film, art, in the cinema, and beyond. So... Garbage. That's what that is. I mean, <laughs> like, it yeah. looks pretty, but meh, we, I don't know. We I see don't. our fair share of that around yeah. here. Yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> Queens has a lot of whatever. But, okay, so, and then you said there was another one, right? That so. Yeah, there was one that I really wanted to like, um, and it was called, wait, Taylor, maybe you would like it, possibly, only because it's set in, so it's called Beanpole. Um, and the director is Kentimir Balagov. I think I'm saying it wrong, but he's Russian. He's 28 years old. Um, it takes place, uh, 1945, Leningrad. Um, and it's about two women just like dealing with the after effects of war. Hmm. Yeah, it and does sound right up my alley. It does, but like I fell asleep for 20 minutes. Oh. Um, is it black and white? <laughs> is it black and white? No, no, no. It's actually when I came out of it I was telling somebody I was like it was beautiful it was gorgeous the way it looked every scene looked like a painting but there was just it was the director was like I wanted to tell the story of women post World War II it's actually loosely based on a book called The Unwomanly Face of War do you know that book? it sounds familiar yeah it's It's about like the it's like is it um is it oral histories of women who lived during the war yeah yeah I think so, it's it might be this by the same woman who did the oral histories of um, Chernobyl. Oh, it might be, but that book sounds really familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She so won the Nobel Prize for her work with the oh, Chernobyl okay, survivors. <laughs> it was definitely then it was definitely her because the this book when I read the uh, author description it was like Nobel Prize winning yeah. authoress etc. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Um, it was beautiful, but meh, not but my not for you. Not my jam. Yeah. So why, why don't you quickly then just run down the other movies that uh, that you saw? Give us the titles and maybe just say something brief um, about them. We don't have a lot of time, but just run. Yeah. We'd like to run through because the I Cole's think, notes. For yeah, sure. because I think that you. Gotcha. This the, is a good the opportunity. The Nicole's notes. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> love it, love it, amazing. That's we're going to do. I, I think this has been, the fact that you didn't see the kind of mainstream big ones, it's a yeah. good opportunity for us to spotlight some of these small films mm-hmm. that we might get at the screening room. So why don't you just yeah. run down the rest of them? Yeah, quick, quick version, one sentence maybe each about them. You got it. Okay, so Clifton Hill, um, Canadian film, kind of reminds you of Polanski's Chinatown. Uh, Is it about Clifton Hill and Niagara Falls? Sure is. There sure we is. go. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't my favorite, but you know, it might be somebody else's. Um, Barefoot Emperor, it's a Belgian king mistakenly shot in Sarajevo, mm. ends up on a Croatian island, mockumentary, it's a follow-up to another, it reminds me of The Lobster and Road to Wellville oh, combined. That might be interesting, okay. It was fun. Um, the Other Lamb, uh, Magojata Shamovska, who's a Polish director, it's her first English-speaking film, it's about a cult. Uh, called The Flock. And, Not also uh, a musical, right? You were telling me about a Polish horror musical. Not the oh, same. Oh, that was a different movie. It's called The Lure, and that's like from 2014. Okay, You should Sorry. see that one too, yeah. <laughs> um, it would have been better if, if Szymowska would have written it herself, if the direction was beautiful. Um, Comets, which is a film from Georgia. It was shorter, it's gorgeous, it's about two women who fell in love and then reunite uh hope which is a norwegian film with stellan skarsgård and it's about a woman who is diagnosed with brain tumor and then reevaluates her life uh another skarsgård they they have a very large family and they're mostly all actors there's an uh, i've never heard of that one oh it's it's pennywise's dad yeah so there's the dad and then there's like five sons oh the dad okay i i guess the dad i didn't I can't yep. thought about it or whatever. Okay. Uh, uh, Color Out of Space, which is based on an H.P. Lovecraft story, and it's with Nicolas Cage, and there's alpacas. It's pretty funny, but it's, like, not super great. But, like, an, uh, an, a Nick Cage movie, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a Nick Cage horror movie, so it's very funny. Mandy. Mandy. <laughs> it's yeah. funny, because that, that, that started off uh, the podcast Yeah, we ago. came full yeah. circle. Full circle. There you go. Um, the Obituary of Tunde Johnson, uh, about a... A, teen, a black teenager in California who has to relive his death at the hand of a police officer uh, over and over again, like on the loop. Like um, the Ryan Gosling movie where he is a Jew that becomes a neo-Nazi yes. and has to... Oh, okay. What is Probably. What is yeah, true, believer, true Believer. The Ender. The e- sorry, The Ender. The True Believer, The End, it's very similar. Anyways, continue, Nicole. Okay. Uh, and The Birds Rained Down, which is a French film from, from Quebec. It was beautiful. Uh, about three aging hermits based on a book. Hmm. Uh, love it. Was That would have been my sixth one. Uh, uh, the Antenna, which is from Turkey, which is also amazing. It's about an apartment building, um, and the government puts up these uh, satellite dishes, and they're consolidating communication, and it's very dystopian, and there's some black goo that possibly kills people, and it's great. Black um, goo. Black goo, yeah. It's so, it was so good. Taylor, you would love it. Okay. <laughs> um, the Perfect Candidate, which is from Saudi Arabia, uh, follows a small town, a doctor in a small town clinic um, who runs for local council. It was kind of like a glimpse into Saudi culture, which I didn't get before, which was amazing. Um, and then uh, Arab Blues, which is uh, French and Arabic. Selma, who is our lead character, moves back to uh, Tunisia after spending 10 years living in Paris, wants to open up her own psychotherapy practice very funny comedy i think the only comedy i saw um frankie which is iris Sachs's new film starring isabel huper uh i would like more isabel huper in it Always. yeah um but it's cute you know it's about somebody who's a matriarch of a family who's dying um very pretty um next one sybil which is from france uh psychologist quits her practice to be a full-time writer and she meets somebody and kind of steals from their life to write her book. And Gaspard Ulliel, hello, and he has Hannibal aged. connection. Yeah, <laughs> Hannibal connection. 
uh, he is terrible. Like, he's really good, but his character is just awful. Um, he plays the villain well, eh? Yeah, is he he's does. still he... so good looking? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, not okay. to me. Yeah, maybe you never found him good looking. I think I did when he was younger, but now it's just, like, a little too severe. Got it. But you know um, I love the severity of a man. I know. You should check it out. Let me know what you think. Okay. <laughs> um, and, okay, Flatland, which is a neo-noir western feminist road movie. I love a road uh, movie. Oh, wow. Kind of reminded me of Thelma and Louise mm. and Badlands, but in South Africa. Oh, sick. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Okay, uh, cool. Not fun, but it wasn't funny, but it was just, like, cool. What a fun cool movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Red Fields, which is from Israel, which is based on a rock opera called Mammy. Uh, it, it was... It was bad. Just skip it. Just skip it. Um, uh, sea fever, which is if Alien and the Thing and Ghost Ship had a baby. I'm on uh, board. Let's do this. Yeah. I'm making a bar face, and Mike's like, "Yes." Yeah. Um, it was fun. The end could have. The last half could have used like a little bit of work, but okay. That was. It was good times. Um, Pelican Blood, which is from Germany about a woman who is a single mother has an adopted daughter adopts another daughter and the new adopted daughter is a terrible terrible child uh it is every parent's yeah again like the first half was amazing and then it kind of took this weird turn that I don't know if I was like did you say like the omen no you remember orphan where they yeah, adopt kind of, her and she's yeah. and it turns out I don't want to give it away if you haven't seen the twist at the end of Orphan yeah, it's, it's a worth twist. it's worth watching yeah. yeah but I feel like the first half was such a compelling drama and then it kind of goes into weird spiritual horror and I was like pick one do you know what I mean yeah like, yeah pick a direction yeah. yeah yeah be consistent with your tone yeah. that's one thing yeah. we talk about a lot in the a show lot. yeah definitely yeah um and then two of us which is a french film about a um this pensioner couple named nina and madu and they're in love and um it's a queer love story about an older couple um whose family don't know that they're in love and they live across from each other in their apartment building and something basically happens to put their relationship at risk it's very sad but very good it was a very good movie and that is everything wow that's, that's great yeah. well, thank you for running that down i think it's good to just get kind of the your quick notes on what they were and out there yeah. for people who maybe won't have a chance to, to yeah. see it till later and maybe they see it somewhere on a streaming service or something fingers yeah. crossed <laughs> fingers crossed well thank you nicole for for doing this i mean it was great to kind of hear your your um thoughts on on all of those and get kind of your perspective of someone who's been going to tiff for 11 tiffs i mean that's that's pretty impressive probably aside from our relationship nicole your oldest relationship yeah i think so i think so i think you're right and it has been a very satisfying one that's awesome probably more satisfying than most of our relationships to be fair (laughs) tiff doesn't disappoint no tiff doesn't disappoint absolutely not well, thank yeah. you again for doing this, Nicole. And, thank you. Uh, we hope that you uh, you enjoy your you know film experience beyond TIFF as you get kind of I guess back to the real world now. You must be yeah. feel like you're coming out from being trapped in the world of movies for eleven days. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go see all the movies that you know came out to buzz and they have release dates, like like Jojo Rabbit, which Jojo won Rabbit? the People's Choice yeah. Award. Yeah. Look yeah. out for it. It's going to get all the Oscars. Oh, yeah. I'm r- very much amazing. looking forward to it. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Taika Waititi is amazing. Who um won Who won the top prize? Was it the Joker? Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Oh, Jojo, Jojo Rabbit, Rabbit won the best. One, one, yeah. Like, yeah. V won. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, Perfect. thank you guys so much. Thank well, you. Thank you. Okay. Love you. Well, that was a that was a great chat with Nicole. I'm glad we did that, um, and I hope that uh, listeners got something out of just kind of hearing from the Toronto Film Festival. And and some of these films are going to probably make its way to the screening room. So fingers hopefully, crossed. Yeah, hopefully the ones we'll that make out. buzz, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll make it out there. But otherwise, you should be able to hopefully search and find these films somewhere. Um, I I think that definitely the ones that go to streaming services, they're they're great opportunities now. So um, that was Nicole, our official TIFF correspondent. Now we have a movie review to talk about so uh taylor tell us what you thought of david crosby remember my name yes 
Um, so for people who aren't familiar with David Crosby, he's actually a f- very large figure in um, in rock and roll um, to the point where I did see this with Dan. We knew about him, but we didn't realize how sort of influential he is. He's mm-hmm. a two-time inductee at the Rock and Roll Rock and Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of Fame. fame. Yeah. So I'm um, not just kind of a fly-by-night type of guy. I've even heard of him, and I'm not a music fan. Like I don't, I don't really listen to a lot of music. But he's been like I've you know, he's been spoofed on The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Places like he's a cultural figure. Absolutely. Um, but Dan and I didn't know a lot about him. So David Crosby is the Crosby and Crosby. Stills and Nash, right? Um, and then the later incarna- incarnation of the band, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also got his start in the pop band The Birds, which right. are kind of famous in their own right. Mm-hmm. So the documentary it's just over an hour and a half, which is perfect, good length. Mm-hmm. We talk about this a lot. Yeah, talk show. about this a lot. Yeah, <laughs> anything more than an hour and a half, and we're kind of you know pulling our hair. But this really worked, um, and it essentially follows him now so david crosby is in his 70s and he's sort of having a musical renaissance right now he is touring um, as a solo musician he has a backing band and you kind of learn that he's touring because he's a working musician you think you know in your 70s you only do this for passion but it turns out this is actually still a paycheck for him Mm. he's you know um needs to make money and so you essentially the documentary kind of covers his life right and what how did he get to the point where that at in his 70s you know he's still touring uh, as a paycheck and you find out that he was a very um on top of being a very influential influential musician he was also a horrible heroin and cocaine addict Mm. to the point where um you know, a lot of his friends have died, and he lists these really famous musicians that everyone knows about, mm-hmm. you know, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Mama Cass. These were all his very good friends yeah. in the 70s. Um, they all died from the exact same drug, and somehow David Crosby is still alive. Jeez. So it's a very interesting documentary if you're interested in that era of music, because this guy knew everyone mm-hmm. <laughs> and was mm-hmm. working with everyone. Um, Dan and I found out that um, Joni Mitchell, he introduced Joni Mitchell to the California music scene and produced her first album. So for Canadian music fans, Joni Mitchell and folk fans in general, Joni Mitchell is a touchstone in folk music of the 60s and 70s. And um, David Crosby produced her first album. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So you, you know, we enjoy that type of music, but we don't know a lot about it, Dan and I. So we found that really interesting. So that's one thing. It's a really interesting music documentary. It's a who's who of rock and roll in the 60s and 70s. And then the second really interesting part of the documentary is that this is a real character exploration of David Crosby, right? How did this, how essentially is this horrible drug addict still alive? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, he he was arrested, fled, was wanted by the FBI on drug charges, served federal time in the 80s. Like, he has lived a very interesting yeah. life. And what's interesting is that all through these trials and tribulations, you know, he was a very difficult man. But it's only now in the 2000s, in 2014, he had a reunion tour right. with Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And pretty much after that tour, they have completely cut ties the band does not speak to david really so it's only now after this horrible drug addiction um and so it's a very interesting portrait of a man kind of coming to terms with his own mistakes and his own life Mm -hmm. and what do you have at the end of the day and the only thing he really has is music right right um so really great documentary um Sometimes people like to hear Dan's reviews. Dan's review was this was the best movie we've seen since Paddington. Wow. <laughs> so, so he really, really he liked really it. He really liked it. Dan really liked it. I also really enjoyed it. There um, was a couple things, you know, as a documentary, I'd like to, I kind of like to go into documentary film, like I would go into an essay where I shouldn't have to do additional research yes, in I order agree. to, um, and because this is sort of a who's who, of rock and roll music, if you're not really familiar with the scene, some things may go over your head. Because right. they're just like, yeah. 
He's yeah. just rattling off name after name after name. Well, I was wondering, because even everything you were listing and the amount of time of the documentary, like, that's a lot of information, a lot of things to go through. Yeah, so they don't just spend a lot of time unpacking. The filmmakers take for granted you know who the cast of characters right, are. Right, right. Um, and then the second thing, um, there's two sequences where they use animation. Mm-hmm. And fans of the show will know, <laughs> I do not like nope. the use of uh, animation in film. Um, uh, sorry, in documentary. Um, Dan Which seems Re- to be happening a lot more. I think it's a trend in documentary yeah. filmmaking where why. they, when they're recreating scenes through animation, mm. whereas maybe in the past they hired actors or yeah. what I like is just filming the person telling yeah. the story. But yeah. anyways, Dan actually was a huge fan of it. He thought it was mm. great. Um, so I think that comes down to personal preference. Right, right. Um, overall, um, it's definitely a see it for me. Mm-hmm. Um Especially if you're a fan of this era of music, I think you're going to get some really cool footage, lots of old photographs of the band, things like that. Um, And then just people who like documentary film. It's a good documentary. It was interesting. We had a really great hour and a half. That's great. We had a nice conversation afterwards, and then we listened to some um, music when we got home. (laughs) So, um, yeah, definitely. A lot of people would find that to be a great evening. Yeah, I was, it was very, you know, we started with dinner, ended with Crosby, Stills, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Why not? Go. So so it's a see it then from you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There you go. Um, so we do have a little bit of time left, and we do have some headlines we want to get to. So why don't we roll right into our headlines for uh, Not a Great Plan. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, beloved by every single listener, Not a Great Plan. Let's do a head count here. Your brother, the demigod, a super soldier, living legend, who kind of lives up to the legend, a man with breathtaking anger management issues, a couple of master assassins, and you, big fella. You've managed to piss off every single one of them. That was the plan. Not a great plan. That's right, it's not a great plan, where we take a look at headlines and current movie news and see what Tony Stark thinks of them. Here's our first headline. Update. Felicity Hoffman sentenced to 14 days in prison for a college admission scandal. Not a great plan. There you go. And I apologize. It should be Huffman. 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 Um, yes, close. and she, you know, had a deal on the table, I believe, for so no jail time. last week we reported that the judge wanted her to spend a month mm-hmm. in prison. So the I don't really know how, again, we always need a lawyer to come explain these things to us, but no one yet, none of our fans clearly are lawyers because <laughs> no, no one has reached out. Lawyers, no. So essentially the original, what the judge wanted her to do was to serve a month, right? So she got 14 days. Um, and in addition, she'll have to pay a $30,000 fine and complete 250 hours of community service mm-hmm. on top of one year of supervised release. Wow. In a statement, Huffman apologized for her actions and admitted her guilt. And she said, you know, I deserve the prison time. I broke the law. Yeah. So she and um, she said in her statement, I completely support what the judge um, has decided. You know, she was very... Um, gracious about the whole thing she either she genuinely is regretful or she has an amazing pr team but either way (laughs) this statement (laughs) um showed genuine guilt remorse and you know she's now preparing to serve her 14 days in prison and that thus will probably start at least the beginning of the end of the varsity blues case as they start going through other people yeah we'll see what happens to aunt becky yeah she's next (laughs) (laughs) okay what's the next headline Comedy Central will keep going with South Park for at least three more seasons. Not a great plan. This is, again, the example of... Overcommitment. Yeah, overcommitment before, like... And again, like, with all long-running shows, you start getting, you know, maybe a little tiresome with it. I haven't watched South Park, to be honest, in a very long time. I used to really enjoy the show, Apparently, the, but I haven't. Apparently, it's been... When I was reading the comments on the article... Um, some of the fans said, you know, in the later years, it's actually better than when it was in yeah, the beginning. Yeah, I actually find that to be true. The later that seasons this, are the ones I like. It's pretty consistent in quality, yeah. but um, I just think it's risky to commit to a I multiple agree. season run. And this keeps happening. I don't know if, if there's fear that it'll go to another network or they'll lose a property for whatever reason. But And maybe it's part of the... There's so many streaming services out there that networks like Comedy Central want to grab onto it and keep it to their network and like hold and on to the rating. Like yeah. they're like, this is 
yeah. maintaining ratings and you know radio viewership is dropping so let's keep yeah. the things that we know people are tuning in for it's just i guess to me it belongs in not a great plan for the similar reasons is this is us is a good show but still renewing it for three seasons i don't know it's risky it's risky so that will bring the total so after these three additional seasons that's going to bring the total number of seasons to 26. 26 that makes me feel very old yeah and um, 327 episodes. So in these later seasons, South Park is doing um, 10 to 13 episodes, I believe. Okay. And one of the comments I read was, you know, um, they're able to maintain that consistent quality because they've gone to shorter seasons, whereas The Simpsons right. are still doing a 22-episode yeah. run, yeah. and it's really hit or miss now yeah, with The Simpsons. definitely. Definitely. I, and a lot of shows I found are even when the Marvel shows were on Netflix, the 11 to 13 episodes. It's the sweet spot. Yeah, sweet spot. Game of Thrones was always 10. Like, it's very good. Yeah, Glow yeah. is 8, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Fantastic. Truth and Time Will Tell. I mean, I don't watch South Park, but. Yeah, I don't watch it anymore just because I don't have time. Uh, and it's just not something I think about watching, but we'll see. Uh, okay, next headline. Sorry, shippers. Robert Pattinson's Batman will never meet Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Not a great plan. Interesting. So Joker director Todd Phillips has declared there will be no crossover film with these new incarnation um, of the characters. So obviously, you know, obviously in the intellectual property, the Joker and the Batman, there are... It, eternal enemies so oh, yes, in future yeah. you know in future movies of course we're going to see batman and joker but these particular characters yes. the new the yeah. new batman with robert pattison and joaquin phoenix's joker yeah they're not going to appear no in we'll get it we'll get another joker eventually later yeah yeah um so which just is solidifying the fact that Todd Phillips really sees this Joaquin Phoenix movie as a standalone film. Yeah, and I, I don't even think you're probably ever going to see a sequel or it again. No, I think you're it's just, a one-off. It's a one-off. This is it, and this is an origin story, and it's Joaquin Phoenix playing this role, and that's it. And I read an article. I think Joaquin Phoenix and Todd Phillips clashed on a couple things. Mm. Um, I don't think necessarily there's animosity there, but I don't know if Joaquin Creative Phoenix— clashing. Like, Joaquin Phoenix did not want to lose the weight. Hmm. He said, I've done it before. I mean, yeah, he said, I've done it before, and I, I don't want to put my body through it. He's like, I picture um, the Joker kind of heavier. If anything, I want to gain weight. Hmm. And Todd Phillips is like, no, you have to lose weight. Hmm. And then there was another thing that they didn't agree on. Um, oh, Joaquin Phoenix would walk off set, and it, like, scared people. And Todd Phillips was like... You know, he couldn't control Joaquin Phoenix, like, walking off set. Mm. But Joaquin has a reputation of being weird and yes. eccentric. So it's really like, disappearing into his I'm roles. not surprised at all no. that he would And you've got to know set. that when you cast him. Like, come on. And you it's like, that. it's a pretty heavy part. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So some people have even gone so far as to say it's cursed. Yeah. Um, it's not cursed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that I, and I, like, just, to, like, I to be clear... Heath Ledger's death had nothing to do with the role of the Joker. Nothing. He wasn't even – he was filming a completely different film during and it was a mistake. Just putting that out there. Watch the documentary. You are de debunking, debunking Joker the, conspiracies. Yeah, everyone – I've always – I still hear that and it's like there's literally three documentaries about him out there. And the one that's – I think my name is Heath Ledger or something, which is one that has home footage that he filmed. Right. Um, literally talks about what happened. And it was an actual accident. He was just doing a drug cocktail. Yeah, he was doing a drug cocktail because he was ill and he wasn't feeling well. And, and he, and he made a mistake. It's very common in Hollywood or just rich people in general because yeah. they can afford to they go can to afford multiple. It. Yeah. They go to multiple doctors. Yeah, get multiple One doctor things. prescribes yeah. them one thing. Yeah. Another doctor prescribes them something. He's having trouble sleeping, whatever. You it know, had nothing to do with acting. He doesn't go to the acting. same pharmacy. <laughs> whereas us, we have one doctor, yeah. one pharmacy. The We're lucky to take the one. And the, the, yeah. Things would cause yeah. you a heart attack. Yeah. No one's doing that no for No one's doing that for, for him. And it was a mistake. <laughs> anyway, let's go to the last headline. Um, Paramount remaking Face Off as if they can approve upon perfection. Not a great plan. So this is so another, weird. Yet again, another. <laughs> I can't believe they're doing this. So get this. Get this. Paramount has hired the Sonic the Hedgehog screenwriter to remake the 1997 action thriller. Anyone who listens to this show, if you do not know what we're talking about, go watch Face Off. John Travolta, Nick Cage. You can't describe this movie. It, it is. It, it is a literal. Two characters switch faces. Like that's like that happens. It. I, it. <laughs> 
it's so wild. It's bonkers, but I haven't seen it. But apparently, it it's like one of the, it's like a cult classic. Oh, for sure, like and it only could have existed worth, in the nineties. And like with those two actors, like who take themselves yeah. so seriously, yes. and yet yes, and doing impressions of each other during this movie. Such, yeah. 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 So, um, who would you cast in the new Face Off? <sighs> That's the thing. I don't know because there's no one like these two people. Yeah, there's no. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of an actor. You know who takes themselves really seriously? Um, well, Jared, Jared Leto. Leto. <laughs> yeah, like Jared Leto and someone. Jared Leto and then on the same level of Jared Leto. maybe Matthew McConaughey? Like, uh, But Matthew McConaughey maybe? is that, like, funny. I guess, like, yeah. Matthew McConaughey is the same with Nick Cage. Yeah. That they have, like, a sense of humor. I think we're going to have to come back to this because we're out of time. We're going to come back to this and try to figure out what our casting would be for Face And in Off. the meanwhile, write in. Tell us who you would cast yeah, in the new Face Definitely. Off. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. I And thank you, Nicole, for calling in. I'm glad we were able to talk about TIFF. Um, this has been the one-year anniversary <laughs> of screening in Kingston. Go see some movies.